1: All right, so I don't know if you're a horse racing enthusiast or even if you're not. If you watch the Kentucky Derby, you remember Medina Spirit won the race and then Bob Baffert, the Hall of Fame trainer, all that stuff came up. Well, now Medina Spirit has been cleared to run the Preakness. I guess they, they reached an agreement about the number of drug tests that this poor horse. I feel sorry for Medina Spirit in this sense. He's been disgraced, okay? Like, why the long face, right? I mean, that's the first thing you're going to see when you see him. At the Preakness. He's going to be walking around a disgraced horse caught with performing enhancing drugs in his system. Whatever the cream, what was it? The cream? Was it an injection? You know, they're going to be checking his stall. You know, they're going to be going through his things. Like, how's he going to face all these other horses? They're like, yeah, look at this guy. Look how jacked up he looks. You know, how big is that saddle this week? You know what I mean? What do like, you call him, Barry Bonds now? Or I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I mean he's disgraced. I mean he's he's a disgraced Kentucky Derby winner at this point, you know, and and he's going to be racing the other horses. And the other horses are like, well, I know he's got that stuff in his system. Like you can't, you know, he's just hiding it now. I mean, I mean, do you ever see this horse run? I mean, it's ridiculous. So I, I, you know, he's not. And and who's are they going to want his autograph now? Are there going to be people coming to his paddock? You know. Around him all the time, watching every hay, every every strand of hay that he eats, making sure it's clean. You know, I mean, I, I the horse pays the price here, not the trainer. That's the problem.
0: In you know, my opinion, yeah. Bob Bob Afford's hitting pretty.
1: Yeah, he's in the Hall
0: of Fame. I mean, they're not know, gonna take him out. Hey, and you know, it, you know, it, it's really a shame because this is the first time he's been busted for. No, wait, no, no, sec, no, no, wait, third <laughs> wait, time, no, but, wait, no no, 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 not four.
1: <laughs> it was, you know. And what I like, he went on Dan Patrick last week, and uh, or earlier this week, and it was before uh, you know they, they discovered, he was talking about, he had gone on Fox, he talked about cancel culture. He went on Dan Patrick, he's like, Dan, I have no idea. We didn't give the horse this drug. We did. Now, this is several days, if not a week, after the Kentucky Derby. You would have thought, okay, so your horse wins the Kentucky Derby. A drug test comes back, and they go to Bob Baffert, hey, uh, that Medina Spirit, uh, that that P test we got, it, it's 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 over the limit on this particular drug, and um, you got ex- some explaining to do. Now, the first thing you're going to do is gather all your people around that are around this horse. I mean, how many could there be? Right? This is a this is a thoroughbred. This is a Kentucky Derby winner. I mean, how who has access to this horse? Like, aren't you going to at least restrict who has access to this to this thoroughbred that's worth millions of dollars? So you would get them together, and you'd say, hey, anybody know anything about this? Could they, could could he have accidentally got into this stuff? Like where? Like anybody? Show of hands. No one says it. Mm, not me. Hope he doesn't think it was me. But, Rick, the horse didn't go to the trainers. He went to his own doctors and got <laughs> it by right. accident. Well, see, this is the thing. you got to check the labels. I mean, you're responsible for what you put into your body. The horse should know this, right? I mean, you're responsible if it's on the can, if it's on the hay, whatever it is. Before you, before you eat it or inject it. So, but I mean, no, seriously, you would go to everybody. And so turns out, and this is after he makes the talk show show, uh, tour and tells everybody, I don't know, I think they're out to get me. I'm not paranoid, but I think everybody's out to get me. Um, But he he goes through that. And then, then it's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. It was the veterinarian in the den with a candlestick. I mean, all of a sudden the veterinarian, that might've been a good place to start. Since I don't know, the veterinarian is the one that administers everything to the horse. So the horse had a, uh, uh, had dermatitis, What don't we all, right? I mean, I could use some of this stuff. So they, they put a cream, and the cream had this particular uh, drug that, that there was, you know too, too much of it. Um, and we're talking about picograms, which I guess is 21 picograms. Is a very small amount of substance. That was the other
0: excuse to use. Well, you know, people don't realize how small twenty one picograms is. Well but the number you're allowed to have in your system on race day is zero. Yeah. It's not it's like 21 it, was, more. it was, you know, eighteen you're allowed and he was twenty
1: one. Yeah. <laughs> just over just over the limit. Well, first of all, horse racing is interesting because uh it's corrupt, I think, but um every state has a different rule. Yes. This is the thing. There's no governing body of horse racing, right? it's it's just state to state so what's legal in one state will be to, but that's your job to know it's like boxing. Hey, we're racing. it's like boxing. Yeah. boxing right. is the same it's way. exactly like that but if you're racing in Kentucky you got to know what the Kentucky rules are i mean you can't you know well this was good in california i don't know why i can't do it here so um so now they're going to maryland and i guess uh there are three bafford horses uh, <laughs> that are expected back and um there's they've agreed to an additional layer of of blood testing i guess along with the usual post-race stuff so i don't know i mean this poor horse is going to be stuck you know like a pin cushion here's the thing um, i don't
0: i don't get about this and granted, i don't know exactly how they test and everything else but right this it came out a week afterwards mm-hmm. that the test was negative and they still hadn't tested the split sample because they, yeah, they what split take, the sample. So it takes so long? Why wouldn't that test be done immediately afterwards? And maybe it takes hours or a day, but, I mean, a week But later, think about and, it. And Baffert, it only came out because there was there was rumors of it. So Baffert got ahead of it and held his own press conference. I mean, yeah. can, Churchill Downs never announced it yet because they were waiting on the split sample results to see if it was, you know, a, a false test or whatever. But Baffert just went ahead and got out in front of it a week later. But
1: why would it take – I mean, so there's a – lab let's say that does equine blood testing or urine testing whatever it is and you're like hey yo um you know that test you gave us back on medina Spear? we need a second one you know the kentucky derby winner oh no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry we got some people here from Santa anita we got a bunch of horses ahead of him he'll have to wait like really he won the kentucky derby i mean is, is there a more important client you know this is kind of an important deal right here. I can't imagine the lab so busy. Are you kidding me? They're not going to go to the front of the line, well, just because he won the Derby. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Like, get this test back as fast as you can. I, that, that makes no sense to me. But anyway, Medina Spirit will run, I think, if he uh, if he isn't disgraced. And what if he what if he what if he wins the Preakness and then goes on and wins Belmont and now you you have two thirds and you, you're DQ'd for the Kentucky Derby? He's going to have basically. to have an
0: asterisk by his name, and he'll never go in the <laughs> Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah. He's going to feel like a horse's asterisk is what he's going to feel like. Uh, that's neither here nor there. All right. We got your mailbag questions. The very popular and uh, mailbag questions segment is today, your lucky day. Many of you uh, people have submitted some fine questions, and they will all be answered, and this is a guarantee 100% correctly, or no money back. So um, let's get started.
0: All right. We'll start with Allie, who asked, If you could handpick a bye week, would it be week nine? which turns out to be the Bucs' bye week this year.
1: I would hand pick the bye week when the most players were hurt. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's hard to know exactly when that's going to be, right? Um, but that's when you want to have it. So if you could have a, a sort of a floating bye, like, you know, I know we were supposed to go to L.A. i, yeah, I got some guys hurt. We're going to take our bye week this week, and then we'll play the Rams some of that. But you can't do that. Um, typically, most teams want – to sort of split the season if they can. They don't mm-hmm. want it too early uh, because then you're looking at, you know, remember now it's a 17-game season, and that's a big deal. That extra week, believe me, is a, is a big deal when you get down in into December and January, and in this case, the middle of January. So um, you, you kind of, you, you know, ideally you want it somewhere in the middle. Don't want it too early. Don't want it too late. Like last year, and it worked out for the Bucks, but they were on fumes. I and mean, if you remember, they played the Rams and then the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And they were they were uh, seven and five, but they had gone. I mean, that's that's twelve weeks of the regular season, and then you know you had no preseason, but you had a, a kind of an extended training camp. So they were they were sort of out of gas. They 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 had some guys nicked up. They weren't executing very well, and it just seemed like a long time to get to that buy. As it turned out, it, it worked out well for them. They got some guys back. Um, they certainly needed the rest. And then the schedule, more than anything, I think the schedule turned, and they, they played some teams that weren't that good, Atlanta twice, Detroit, uh, Minnesota. So they were able to fatten up on on those guys and hit kind of a rhythm. You know, it's more about the rhythm. So I, I think that I, if I were the Bucs, the, I think the NFL did them a real favor. I think when you um, look at your schedule, that's one of the things you're looking for. You're looking to see who you open with always. You're looking to see... Uh, for uh, if you're a Southern team at least, the, where the cold weather games are. You want to see sort of, uh, you know, how many road games you might have back-to-back-to-back to back to back, or three out of four or four out of five, whatever it is. You don't want too many of those. Um, but then you, you, you really want to know where that bye week is because, again, um, that, that's going to have a lot to do with sort of, you know, the NFL being a war of attrition. And it's a little like NASCAR, you know, if 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 you start – you know, if you lose a tire and you, you know, you know, some, some AC joints pop out, whatever, I don't know, it's like, you know, you're in trouble. So I, I like if I'm the Bucks, I think the NFL said, let's split the season in half. Um, let's and on top of that, here's where the Bucs really made out. Their first game is a Thursday night. Now, you know, this year there's there's three preseason games. We talked about this the other day. Mm-hmm. So you play a third preseason game, I think it's on a Saturday in Houston. Then you have a whole week where you don't play a game, and then a week to prepare for the next game. Of course, for the Bucks, it'll be it'll be they'll be playing on the on Thursday. But so what? So that's like a week, and then you know what, four or five days before you play your first game. So you haven't um, maybe you got some guys nicked up in, in the preseason. I doubt it. They're not going to play anybody. Really, to be honest with you, the third preseason game now will be what used to be the fourth preseason game. In that, no starters are going to play very long in that game at all. Um, so they will have actually, most of your front line guys will have had two weeks off and then prepare a week or four days for the Thursday night game. Then when they play that game, because it's the first game of the year, first game of the season, you're as healthy as you can be, right? At that point, that's the goal. Get to the starting line, be as healthy as you can be. So you play that game. Now you get that whole extra mm-hmm. three days off. And so you've got 10 days before you play a home game against Atlanta. That's it. So, so Thursday night games are mini bye weeks you got another Thursday night game in Philadelphia down the road. you six, get, yep. Week six, you'll get, you'll get some time off there too. So I think playing that first game of the season on a Thursday and having those extra days off before your second game is a huge lift for them. I
0: think I would have preferred the, week, the bye to be about week 11. And, and the reason I say that is you've got that mini bye week between one and two because yeah. of the Thursday night game. You have a mini bye week between six and seven. Mm. Because of the Thursday night game,
1: Thursday night in Philadelphia, yeah. So
0: I'd rather have a couple more games under my belt because now you're finishing nine straight weeks of games, right? And then into the playoffs where you're not guaranteed to buy,
1: right? You know, right.
0: so I would have preferred it a, a couple of weeks back, but the week nine buys a lot better than week five or week six or, you know, yeah. so where some of these other teams are. It was week with,
1: twelve so. last year, so yeah. I
0: mean, I thought that was a little late. Well, but. it was, but you only had the one mini buy, and it was earlier in the season. True, you know, so it kind of depends on where your Thursday night games are that kind of affect.
1: Yeah, and it does. You know, that's your, where mini, you know, your, your main. Your
0: I think week nine is good. I, I think you, you know, I'd prefer maybe week eleven this year, just based on where their Thursday night games are. But I, I do have one correction because I know we said this mailbag is one hundred percent correct. The first thing you look for when you look at the schedule is do you have forty nine days between home games? What? Remember a couple years ago when the Bucks? Oh, that's because right. of London had forty nine days between home that's games Right? Was
1: it forty nine? It was something it was seven ridiculous weeks. Like. It was
0: seven weeks because of it was like four road games yeah. a Because their, their home
1: game was yeah. London. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my! I remember goodness, the NFL
0: that's... was kind of like, yeah, our bad on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, they when the NFL says they screwed up, but but it wasn't like a real apology. It was like
0: yeah, yeah, we'd yeah. like to have that one back, but you know, yeah,
1: but you know, but you're the Bucks. I mean, it, they all but yeah. said. Yeah, you got us, but you don't matter. And the, you know it what happened I
0: mean? to the Raiders too? But no one cared because it was their last year in Oakland. They were moving to Vegas anyway.
1: And I'll tell you what, man? I always get screwed by the NFL. Yeah, I I I, I do remember that. I try to forget <laughs> it. That was the most. I believe that was the year um, that we flew. It was over twenty thousand yeah, air miles. It was at in, Seattle. At- yeah, it was. Yes, yes, L.A. It, it was Arizona, yeah. something like that. It was crazy and. And it was the most air miles I think we had. It's it's about double what you would during a regular season normally, and and I felt it. I <laughs> man, I felt it. Um, I love going over to London and all that, but it's a long way, and that's you know you get the bye week after that. But yeah, that was a that was a tough year. It was, they were all tough years. Yeah, They've so, been bad until Brady showed up. So, so yeah,
0: so that stretch you went at Los Angeles, mm-hmm. at New Orleans, mm-hmm. Carolina, and London. We- yeah, Carolina okay. and London. Yeah, Carolina and London by week, at Tennessee, at Seattle, until you got home to Arizona. So you went from a home game against the Giants on September 22nd to the home game against New Orleans on November 17th, or Arizona, November 10th.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: Yeah, that was, that's that's the first thing you look for in the schedule. Then you look for, you know, the rest of the stuff, you know, road games, home games, by
1: weeks. (laughs) I can remember and this happens from time to time. If you have a Thursday, if you have a Thanksgiving Day game, so, and, and if you have any other national T V games, one year the Bucks played uh three games in eleven days. Kid you not. They played they played like a Monday night game. Uh they played a Sunday night game and then a and Thursday, Thursday yeah, like, yep. uh you know, uh Thursday uh Thanksgiving game. Yep. It was crazy. It was just crazy. So that's also bad, but this schedule, eh, I'm okay with it. I mean, look, anytime you you know they play the AFC West, you're playing the AFC East, so you're staying on the Eastern Seaboard. You know, um, you got games at Philadelphia. You're the NFC East too, so
0: it's you know every, yeah. Lot, you one know.
1: what is it? One trip to LA. That's the far. That's yeah, as far that, as I go, right?
0: New England, Philly, New Orleans, Indy, Carolina, Atlanta, New York. Yeah, LA is the only LA, really bad trip.
1: LA is the only bad, the long trip, and it, and yeah. unfortunately for the Bucks, it comes right before the New England trip. Yeah. So that might take a little starch out of those 44 year olds. But it's legs, also but your first
0: trip of the season. So it's. That's right. You don't have as much wear and tear on your body. You're, you know, it's early in the season.
1: And they may, they may go out there a day early. You know, I don't know the Bucks. typically. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it last year because of COVID, but you might get back to that where, you know what, we're going to travel a day early. Yeah. Let us get used to the time a little bit. Um, there's varying, uh, you know, sports. It's all sports science. There's varying theories about that. Like of late, they've said, well, just stay on Eastern time and you know sleep patterns and all that yep it'll uh, be a 125
0: eastern start yeah or no 425 it's 125 there so it's
1: the problem with it is is that you're getting up at four o'clock in the morning (laughs) it's just weird yeah well but you know other than that you can stay on the eastern time zone and you're going to bed like at 9 p.m or something like that but anyway all right good question all right Meeson asked what should be the over under on pro
0: bowlers and all pros for the bucks next year super bowl champs had zero do they get a makeup call
1: Oh, I think so. I think I think a lot of times that especially with young players, they make the Pro Bowl the year after they should have made the Pro Bowl. Um, That was the case, I think, with Mike Evans. That was that's been the case with Levante David should have made it multiple times and he hasn't. Um, But in particular, if I were just looking at this team and I mean, you know, last year JPP made it. Um, He was their lone representative. Uh, I think You know, for the edge rushers, it can be tough. You have to have a kind of a quick start, the way Shaq did a few years ago. That's that. That's a tough position because there's just so many guys that are now you know considered outside linebackers. That's what always hurt Levante. But when you're talking about guys like Devin White, like Devin White should have been in the Pro Bowl last year. How about Tristan Wirfs? Tristan Wirfs gave up one sack, one to a to a Tom protecting Tom Brady, and it was to Mac in Chicago in a game where they all stunk. And that was it for the year. He played almost every damn snap. I think Tristan Wirfs might be one of the best right tackles in the league right now. I think he was last year. A guy like that, because he's a rookie, gets overlooked. He won't next year. I promise you he won't next year. Um, who else? Uh, you know, Well, Devin White had a coming out party. Devin White, Devin White, to yeah. me, is, is going to go to eight of these yeah. things. And, and and I even think Levante David – he, Yeah, he's finally started getting recognized. Because he's playing with Devin White and it's kind of a race to the football, I think he's starting to get recognized. Corners, like um, if Sean Murphy Bunting plays the way he did in the postseason with the three interceptions in four games, if he were to do that and have six, let's say, during the regular season, he would go. Carlton Davis, same thing. You know, Carlton Davis at one point had four picks through, I think, eight games – um, got a little nicked up, um, you know. Kind of, kind of struggled towards the end. Got better at the end. Uh, a guy like Antoine Winfield, I think Antoine Winfield's a Pro Bowl player. You know, he, he just he wasn't on the map. He's got to get known a little bit. Now that he's been in the Super Bowl. The whole meme with the two fingers in front of uh, you know uh, Tariq Hill's face. Those are the those moments when people, when the whole world watches you make big plays on big stages like that. Now when they see you, you know. Uh, other players are are doing pro bowl voting you're you're well known and it's not just his members three phases it's the fans it's the coaches and it's the opposing players and so i think the over under next year i would say on pro bowl players assuming they all stay relatively healthy because i still think chris godwin's a Pro bowl player when you get to be franchised that that raises your profile i will say the over under is five i will say five
0: and I just wonder how Giovanni Bernard's gonna fit in this offense. And, <laughs> well, very well. You know, I mean we know oh, Tom Brady loves the the running back outlet, oh, which he hasn't oh. didn't
1: have last season. He's gonna be he's gonna be the biggest change, I think, that you're gonna see on offense. I think if you're talking about going to the next level, they had conservatively, I think we counted fourteen drops between Rojo oh, it's got to be more and Leonard Fournette. <laughs> well, I, I mean drops are not really an official stat, right, but that's right. But that's that's if you go on these websites that keep them, they they'll tell you they each drop like seven balls. But seven, think about that. Like seven, that could be seven first downs. That could be four total fourteen first downs where you get three more plays, three more plays, three. That's why when you look at this offense and you go, they were pretty good last year, but they're just they were just scratching the surface. I mean Brady, Brady was still he literally had an armband the entire season. So towards the end of the year, he's still looking at his armband to call the language of the play. And then visualizing it in his mind as he goes to the line of scrimmage, I'm telling you, all that is going to be starting to go away for him. He, you know, he went from speaking English to, to to Mandarin Chinese. Now he knows a little Mandarin Chinese, so it's going to be much easier for him. They're they're going to be better. And and you know, I I just think uh, you know Antonio Brown for a whole season. You know, he doesn't come in halfway through the year. Uh, you know, this this cloud of suspicion over him. He still think about it. Even though they threw the shovel passes at him for a quarter million dollars, thank you, Tom Brady. He still caught forty five balls in eight games. That's a ninety catch season, right? He'd have been he'd have been over almost over a thousand yards. I think he had like four hundred ninety something yards. Um, if you have Antonio Brown for a full season, I think I think he could get back to the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, I would say the over under is five. All right, Ellis asks. Is it reasonable for the fans to expect
0: the Bucks to be more competitive during their primetime games this year?
1: Well geez, you'd hope so. I mean, <laughs> they couldn't be less competitive, could they if I not mean,
0: they're not going thirteen and four.
1: Yeah, right, and we got them win, win um they uh, you know the prime uh, let's talk about the primetime games, okay, so um the worst one was the Chicago game Thursday night, early in the season. um Chicago wasn't very good on offense to say the very least. The Bucks should have won that game. They had a lead, um, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, you had Mike Evans was hurt. Chris Godwin I don't think played. Scotty Miller played but wasn't any good. Um, you had all kinds of issues. You know, Tom forgot what down it was, and they still could have won the game. They lose, they lose 20-19. to Terrible, terrible game, okay. The Rams game, they play the Rams at home, and the defense just – did not know how to stop a, a team that decided we're not even going to try to run it. You know, I mean, credit Sean McVay for coming in and saying, look, those guys are number one against the run. Forget it. We're, we're just going to hand it off kind of by extension, little flip, little quick throws. Uh, what, Cooper Cup had about a billion yards. They couldn't stop the, the little smoke screens and things like that. So they lose to them. Then you got Kansas City, another national TV game. And then I think the other one was the the, the blowout, and there's no ex- explanation for this. They started with about four three-and-outs, and before you knew it, it was 31 to nothing. Saints. Um, they lose that game 38-3. So I can't imagine them playing worse on national TV than they did a year ago. Even though the Kansas City game was a three-point game, the Rams game wound up a three-point game. They had good second halves, but they didn't put a whole game together. They have to play better, and it starts with Dallas, right? I mean, it, it, you've got... The Cowboys coming off a 6-10 and season. Dak Prescott with his, you know, uh, compound fracture, dislocated ankle on his right leg. You know, he's making his first return. You got a new defensive coordinator, their first game together, um, even though I think, you know, that Quinn will be better than what they've had. So, you know, you're the team with the 22 starters coming back on the Super Bowl team. You should take that one. Okay, and then the other ones you have, we talked about this, I think there's a, a, a difficult game because of where it falls on the schedule at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to play. Last year uh, last year you also had at the Giants on Monday night too. Yeah, they yeah that's right. They won that game. They but won but played poorly. Pretty. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. But poor, played poorly. And it, they got they actually got out physical in that game, and it came down to a two-point conversion pass that looked like interference and in the flag was picked up. So, yeah, they just didn't play well. And, and you know, but it, most of their games were kind of early in the year. I mean, I think they were done uh, sort of – well, the the back-to-back ones, Week 12, um, when they hit the bye week. But, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, they got New Orleans again on a Sunday night at home, I think. They've got the Giants on Monday night at home this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how good the Giants are going to be, but you got them at home. You beat them up there at MetLife last year. So, yeah, I, I think they should play better. I mean, there's no – there, the the reason they didn't, weren't as competitive was, I I just think, the newness of it all. I just think that they were still trying to learn each other, and um, I think the defense got better. I think the offense sort of hit its stride after the bye week. So, you know, most of those games were in the early part of the season. So, yeah, I you know, the Raiders game was going to be a, a Sunday night game. It got flexed, and that was one of the better offensive performances they had out there in Las Vegas. So, so even though it wasn't on national TV, it was supposed to be, um, but there was COVID cases in with the Raiders, and they didn't know whether they should you know, book that for Sunday night football or not. So they moved it, uh, thankfully for me, to 425. So, yes, I would say, look, we got them winning 13. They're going to play better on national TV. All right, Wayne asked, since the draft
0: just finished, living in New England, they've always said Bill Belichick was a terrible drafter, but they win 16 division championships, 12 AFC championships, nine Super Bowls. How bad could it be? When I was in Wisconsin, Mike McCarthy got fired. And they said his drafts were lousy. I've also heard Tampa guys say Jason Light's drafts were questionable. So the question is, does any team or coach do well in the
1: draft at all? <laughs> Not unless they win the Super Bowl. This is the thing; um, it's a results-based business, right? And and I think that you know you're right. I mean, I, I've you know we've heard that about Belichick. He had Tom Brady, who was a great eraser. I mean, Tom Brady makes a lot of drafts look good. Um, it's about the quarterback. If you got that guy like Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, before that, uh, I don't know if he was there with Favre. I guess that would have been somebody else. But um, you know, and and so I, I, you know, here's the thing: Jason Light never had Tom uh, Tom Brady until last year. I mean, he drafted, um, you know, he he drafted Jameis Winston, and Winston mm-hmm. just for five years they tried to ride out that that whole development thing and 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 to winston's defense i will say that when when you go as the first overall pick you're going to the worst team in the national football league now they tanked from winston lovey did um but jason came in with lovey and you know but go back and look at the drafts i mean his first pick his first ever pick was mike evans pretty good ring of honor player Right now, on a trajectory, I don't know how many more years he'll play. He'll have to play a number of them and keep this sort of production. Hall of Fame player. I mean, he has those mm-hmm. that kind of a start, seven straight 1,000 yard seasons. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. All that stuff matters when you get to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, the draft that killed him, uh, I believe, was 2016. Yes. And that, that's, that's the Roberto Aguayo draft. That's the Noah Spence draft. That's the Vernon Hargraves draft. When you have an entire draft class disappear, then it's hard to dig yourself out of that, right? But they've had three. He's, he's had three coaches: Lovey, then Dirk, and now and now um, Bruce. But they will tell you that about two or three years ago, they learned some things. You know, I think John Spytek, when he came over from Denver, has really helped. Uh, I know Mike Beal does a good job in the front office, and if you look at the guys that they've picked over the last few years, two, three years. They haven't had many misses now, you know once you get past the fifth round, I'm just telling you you know third fourth fifth round guys, yes, they're all through the NFL, but on a better team, those guys have a tough time making any roster okay but let's let's just focus on the first three picks, four picks. I mean, the character of these guys has been exemplary it's it's not as hard like like jason always says he goes we've we've missed on the on the person, not the player. you can identify talent on film you you know there's a lot of talented guys. But when you get to the NFL, man, it's a man's league and it's, you know, you're going to go through adversity. You know, it doesn't matter. Like these guys are doing this to feed their families. It's cutthroat. It's, you know, there's only so many roster spots. You've got to, you've got to love, love football. If you just love what football brings you, you know, millions of dollars, nice cars, plenty of girls wanting, wanting your attention. If that's what you're in it for, you're not going to last long. Like, You just have to completely be devoted to your craft. It's a short career um, and I think what they've done is they've found guys who have overcome adversity. They've done a lot of things um, in researching these dudes and they're mature. I mean Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield Jr. When you start talking to the guys from this draft class they remind you of the same guys you know Um, and, and they all have stories where they've had to overcome stuff so I just think they've done a better job of late but look Having said all of that, most of these guys were here before Tom Brady. And so what happened once Tom Brady got here? All of a sudden, they're a Super Bowl team. You know, there was talent here, but you've got to have the trigger guy.
0: John asked, what do you think of the Jaguars signing Tim Tebow?
1: Finally, a question that I can really sink my teeth into. Here's what I think. Here's what I think I think, as Peter King would say. I think... That the smartest thing I've heard was from Jim Trotter. I'll give him 100% credit. Um, Jim Trotter works for the NFL Network, used to be with Sports Illustrated, covers the NFL, does an unbelievable job, good friend of mine. And what Jim Trotter said, it was kind of funny because he's on the air to actually talk about such things like Tim Tebow. He said, I'm just not going to spend a lot of energy on this. He says, look, I'll tell you what I think, and it is this, and I agree with him on this. Is it fair that Tim Tebow at age 33, 34, whatever he is, hasn't played football in seven, eight years, much less never played tight end? Like as in never, they tried to get him to play tight end when when he proved he couldn't play quarterback, wouldn't do it. Is it fair that he's on an NFL roster? Well, first of all, he's on a roster with 90 players. He's not made the 53 man. But even even having said that, there are guys who, who might be more talented, um, might deserve that roster spot more than him. But you know what? Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Business In business, it's not fair. I can tell you that firsthand. Um, in in uh, relationships, sometimes it's not fair. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, he has a head coach in Urban Meyer that he put national championship rings on Urban Meyer's fingers. He's responsible, to a large extent, of Urban Meyer getting – other jobs like at Ohio State where he won another time. I mean, Urban Meyer has a loyalty to Tim Tebow. He knows what Tim Tebow brings in terms of character, competitiveness, all those intangible things. Does he know whether Tim can play tight end or not in the NFL? I I don't think he does. I think he's going to find out. So, you know, he knew somebody. You know, Tim Tebow knew somebody. And the other guy felt obligated to at least give him a shot. Um, how much of a shot you know, does, does he really have a chance to make the team? I think it's going to be really hard um, because he's battling a couple things, not the least of which is age, the fact he hasn't played any football in a while, the fact that he never played tight end, and there are really good tight ends in this league, including on his team that are battling for those, like the third and, and maybe in some teams fourth roster spot at the tight end position. Those guys that don't start, they got to run down and play special teams. Is he going to do that? You know what kind of speed does he have at this point? He's not—he's not a young guy. Um, his body has been playing baseball now for the last few years. If you've ever walked into a baseball clubhouse, they don't look like NFL players. And so, you know, I'm sure he kept himself in shape. I would never bet against Tebow because I think—I think Tim Tebow's will has always been exceeded his skill, um, but his will has been phenomenal, even—even even good enough that the Denver Broncos took a shot at him in the first round as a quarterback, and he got them to the playoffs. And he wasn't very good doing it, but he sort of willed that team in an extraordinary year and got in and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were actually pretty good with one throw. So having said all of that, um, I, just, I just think it's a guy doing a guy a, a solid. Now, where I think there's a mistake here is that what Urban – where, you know, when you're the coach of a, of a college program – you have everybody's fate sort of in your hands. You know, it, it's a coaches. I mean, it still is a coach's league a little bit, but the NFL is about the players more, more so than even the coaches. And so what I mean by that is you can't just walk guys in there that everybody else knows can't play. You've got to earn it because if you start, if you start treating guys and, and giving special favors to guys, that, that that locker room is going to know who deserves to be on that roster. And when when you start, you know, and, and the other thing is, you've already got, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you've already got uh, a lot of attention on you to begin with. Do you really need all of this, too? You know, do you need the circus coming to town? Because, yes, folks, it will be a circus. Um, I've seen it firsthand. I saw it at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I couldn't believe what it was like, you know, when Tim Tebow was there coming out in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the South wanted a piece of Tim Tebow. I mean, like he had beaten them for years, and yet Alabama fan, Tennessee fan, Old Miss fan, uh, Mississippi State fan, like they were all surrounding this guy like he was one of the Beatles. Um, for those of you who don't remember the Beatles, they were a big number one. So I I think that you know I'm not upset about it personally. Like I like Tim Tebow. I I like what he stands for. I like what he represents, and I'm sure I'm sure Urban Meyer does too. And and who wouldn't want that around your players? So except that. It doesn't make sense now. It doesn't make sense now. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, so here's, I'll play devil's
0: advocate a little bit. Sure. It's a non-guaranteed contract. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, he's, he's on the team. No, I don't think he's going to make the team. I, I think there's a couple things that Urban thinks this can help with. One, it's somebody who is going to work his ass off on the field. No question is going to be an advocate for Coach Meyer because we know there's some doubters of, of whether Urban can coach in, in the pros or not. It gives you an advocate in training camp, a, a guy who it seems like people gravitate towards. I also think it takes pressure off Trevor Lawrence a little bit because a lot well, of the media and stuff, that it's going to be a circus, but it's going to be around Tim Tebow, not Trevor Lawrence as much. I think yeah, and, and, and for a guy that you're probably going to cut after the second preseason game, maybe the third, and and then you go to the regular season. I, I'm I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm saying that there are some benefits to it, P- potentially. You
1: know, potentially.
0: But but it, I, I, but you if know, he gives he, him a spot and he doesn't deserve it, that's going to be a problem for Urban. But I I don't anticipate him Tim Tebow making the team. I think this is Tim Tebow chasing his dreams again, which I have no problem with. You know whether he makes it or not, it'll be his talent that should determine it. And I think, but will.
1: You'll, you'll you'll give me this. No other coach in the NFL is bringing this guy to camp as a tight end at 34 years old. Uh, a couple years coach. ago, they would have in a heartbeat. Now, but not now, it, well, not, not after eight no, years. No, no, I. I, I right, I. He's would, the only guy that would do it. Don't you think? No, you you think there's another coach that would bring him to camp? I think there's another organization.
0: Maybe the coach. Maybe not. I think there are organizations okay. that would bring him in a heartbeat. Ticket sales, whatever else it comes with. I mean, and, and don't no, no, no. don't forget Jacksonville too. That's where he's from. I mean, for that organization, there's a whole other level of that too.
1: If it's about if it's about selling tickets, I don't I don't you know, gotta, I, don't, I gotta, don't
0: know if it is. It could be a side benefit, particularly if he ends up making the team. He's got to make the team. I was going to say, like, he's got to be there for you to you know. I mean, will it get? Can they sell preseason jerseys of a player that's not going to make the team? I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. If they can, I mean, then the Jaguars are going to
0: sell a lot of jerseys. Come print them uh, up now. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, go get them. I mean, sure. Why? Why do you have to wait? I mean, I think I can go online and, and and buy rookie jerseys now if I know their numbers. Um, sure. I I don't know. See, I don't. Here's the thing. Like, you're like, well, he'll take a lot of heat off of Trevor Lawrence. I think it just brings more of the. I think it brings more cameras, and then they notice Trevor Lawrence, and so it's like, it okay, might, it might. We've done the Tebow story, but now, but does Trevor, the best thing for Trevor Lawrence is for nobody to go to camp. Just sit out yeah, there and learn your job, That's not going to happen with Urban Meyer as your coach and number one draft pick there. But I mean, this was never no, going to happen. Nobody, but but, it, but no it's Urban expects... but it's
0: still Urban Meyer too, who is a lightning rod in, in football. I mean, as a coach. I
1: get it. I mean, but you know what would happen? Like these guys make their they make their rounds around the train camps. They're going to spend maybe a day in Jacksonville, talk to Urban, talk to talk to you know Lawrence, and then move on. Now it's like, yeah. oh, we we got we all got reasons to go now. Like let's bring the cameras, let's bring the trucks, let's you know what what happens. You got Stephen A. and and uh, you know uh, whoever is Stephen A. Max is Kellerman. debating these days. Max Kellerman, you got you got Skip Bayless, who you know is a, a Tebow disciple, literally um you know uh, shannon sharp i mean it. i don't i mean actually tebow has actually a, a great programming um topic during the time of year where there's not much to talk about except the schedule so from that standpoint he's he's keeping you know these these debate shows alive but i don't know that you need all that around here's what i think is going to happen i don't, I don't think you, i don't think you
0: need it but i think that's one but you that got Urban it and wait in it yeah i think he weighed yeah, that, you,
1: know? you got it and, and, and here's what i think is going to happen now and it may have happened anyway I think Jacksonville is going to be um, that team that's on hard knocks. Like to me, it's the perfect hard knocks team. Rookie quarterback, first overall. I thought, pick I thought rookie coach Urban. though
0: wasn't on hard knocks, or I guess you can't be forced. Is that the you way? You can't it is? be forced. That's okay. correct.
1: You can't be forced. And I don't. And maybe maybe Urban Meyer will say, "Yeah, not this year." That's true. He that you got a great point. Like they they may not. But if I'm am asking if I'm NFL Films, man, I, that's Trevor Lawrence,
0: Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow.
1: Yeah, there's not a better team, right? Is there a better team than that?
0: I mean, I, I would put
1: the Bucks up there too, but um, yeah, they're not. The Bucks are The Bucks are going to tell them to go. <laughs>
0: mean, mean, but can they? Uh,
1: Do you remember the last time? Hart- can yeah, they? because yes, because they've done it within the last nine years. Oh, yes. not, okay. I didn't. I couldn't remember what yeah. the statue. Yeah, they limitations can decline. They they can decline it. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, well, you remember that year? Green Bay <sighs> could be
0: interesting if Aaron Rodgers is still there. <laughs>
1: yeah, or even <laughs> if he's not. I mean, well, if he's not know,
0: though, there, where's the star power? I mean. Well, that's true.
1: I mean well then you but but it could be a train wreck. Like you could have like you know yeah, Jordan but, Love just But you like, still
0: need to say you still need to be able to promote sucking. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, or That's true. Um Or at you,
1: least the state farm guy, you know. <laughs> Jake jacked up. Trying Jake.
0: What other team would be really good this year
1: for Tard I don't know. I mean there's some teams. I mean I I don't want you know, I think the the Detroit coach is a little nutty Campbell that that that'd be kind of fun you know what i mean yeah but i just don't think they have enough players on that team no one cares them. about the lions but i mean they've done the rams recently so we've seen mcveigh and his his acute memory uh i don't i don't know And we have to, that's a good question maybe we should Dats ask back our back own in dallas back. is it dallas oh dallas is always fun yeah well, i mean Dax back
0: a, and J- jerry dallas jerry i really believe I, I, dallas is always fun i'd watch dallas every week i mean I think buffalo would be, be good be. but i don't think that's going to be the draw that HBO once. I mean, there's a really good How team. about
1: Chicago with Justin Fields? How about that? Uh, coach coach trying to save his job with the with a hot yeah. shot, run young rookie quarterback and Andy Dalton is QB1 trying the to Red hold Rifle baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction. He ain't starting week 1. Justin Fields will start week 1. Yeah,
0: I think you're I think you're I've right. Seen, I think you're right. I've
1: seen this movie. Yeah. I've seen this movie. There's one or two ways you can play it. If you're a coach who's struggling and has to win, you can say Well, I'm going to start with Andy Dalton, and we're going to do the best we can because Andy's more prepared to play, and he he gives us the best chance this week. But when we start to lose, now I'm going to make it about the development of Justin Fields, and all he has to do is show promise and win some games, and that might buy me another year. Well, here's the the thing,
0: and there was different circumstances for this. But what you can't have happen if you're him trying to save your job is to have Andy Dalton go out and throw for 400 yards the first two games.
1: Right. Right. And be
0: the, you know, early MVP candidate and, you know, we the got our FedEx guy. Air whatever the, the week twice.
1: He's Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: And then he tanks or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, by the week 4 is, you know, god we can't not change him out. Right. And then you go to the young guy who then flops.
1: And, and then you, then you have to practical. go back
0: to the – you can't have that situation. You just – If know you're it, a young you just, coach trying to save your – if you're trying you, to save your job.
1: You just described the final year of Dirk Cutter. Now, exactly. Winston Winston had been here, but he was suspended the first three weeks. Fitzpatrick lit it right, up. Right, Winston came back. Fitzpatrick had a bad game in Chicago. They stuck with him. Um, then they then they went to Jameis, who was terrible. Then they had to go – and when they went back to Fitz, you knew that's it. He knows he's fired. Like, he's, he's just trying to win as many games as he can. He knows he's fired. So mm-hmm. – Anyway, yeah, I mean, interesting it was different
0: circumstances because of the suspension. Yeah
1: but. yeah, but you're right. You don't want to get caught in the middle like that. But for a coach trying to save your job. See, I think Justin Fields is better than anybody gives him credit for. I, I think Justin Fields, I think he, he can beat Deshaun Watson.
0: I, I, yes, I think he's got the talent to be capable of that. Yes, absolutely. Will he you have know. a good enough team around him is the question. I mean, we know the defense I mean, the is
1: good. the Bears' defense is good. No, the
0: defense is, but is he going to have enough offense and weapons? Well, and... and is
1: the coach any good, well, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. That's a big know. part of it. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that guy can do. Coaching is a huge
0: year. part of how how successful quarterbacks are young. Yeah, it is. I mean, you don't, you don't yeah. think Bill Belichick didn't help Tom Brady become what he is? Of course he did. I mean, you know, no one he. knew what Tom Brady was going to be, but a lot of that was Bill Belichick mentoring and helping. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kudos to Brady, too. It's not taking anything away from Brady, but – Coaching right. a huge part of.
1: Well, and he had Charlie Weiss and he had, mm-hmm. you know, McDaniel and he had, you know, he had some good coordinators too. Absolutely. But yeah. I mean, what, what, what the thing Belichick did, when he turned to him, he stuck with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Bledsoe was like, yo, I feel better now. I can play again. And they like, mm, we got our quarterback, you know? So, yeah, it's a good question. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All
0: right, we'll go to Les, who asked. Brendan Lau, Willie Adamas, Austin Meadows, Mike Brasso, hitting well below 200. KK's on the injured list, but was only hitting 217. How much longer can the Rays afford to have this many guys on their big league roster hitting this poorly? As Yogi said, it's getting late early.
1: i thought about that lately. Um, the fact of the matter is, and I, I think you went through it the other day, there's not all the averages in baseball with the exception of maybe four in the American League have a bunch of teams. No, batting. in baseball.
0: Four teams in baseball are hitting over 250.
1: Yeah, so I was going to say, with the exception of four are, are hitting below 300 or below 250 or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a league wide thing. Look at the run scores. I, they were in the top 10. I know they probably fall out of that with this Yankee series, but they were in the top 10 of run scores, which is the key stat to me, um, that and runs prevented. Um, now
0: they're 18th going into Thursday night.
1: Yeah, that's now you're hitting, now you're hitting a low water mark. You start getting down around 1820. You're, you're, you're definitely not trending the right way. They need somebody and I don't care who it is, whether it's, whether it's Lau, whether it's, um meadows it, it can be anybody um a Reina. somebody has to get hot and when i mean hot like they got to carry the ball club for a month for three weeks for two weeks because i i really do believe that hitting is contagious like i've been on teams and it's it's funny how you'll go in a slump and everybody will be in one and it's just as it's just as true that when one guy is red hot it takes the pressure off of you and and you just relax and seem to hit better i can't explain it but it, that that's that really is true. It didn't happen in the um, playoffs for the Rays last year. Well, yeah, they were all bad, except well, Rosarina. That's well, what I'm saying. Yeah, they had the guy red yeah. hot that carried them. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. My th- well, yeah. But I do. I I sentiments. believe. I still believe it. I still believe yes, that. Like yes. it. Like when everybody's going bad, you just feel like, can can I be that guy? Well, you know, will the next guy be that guy? Like, I don't know. I. I I can't explain it. It's, it's an individual sport in a team concept. It's weird. It's you against the pitcher. Look, clearly some of these guys. Here's, here's the question behind the question. Are we going to see Wander Franco? Are we going to see those guys in the minor leagues? Win, you know, Vidal how Brujan, long are we going to yeah, see? Yeah, how long can the big league club continue to run Willie Adamas out there? And I like Willie Adamas. I think he's worked really hard. I love his energy. I love watching him play. He can't hit and and he's a, he's a pretty good shortstop but he can't hit in my opinion and he's not going to hit like Wander Franco he doesn't, doesn't have his future so like at some point you know when is that time well when you when you start losing enough games in the majors because you can't you're not hitting the baseball and they got a bunch of guys knocking the cover of it out in 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 Durham now I think they want to get those guys at bats and they played what all of one series six game series against the Cardinals farm team but I think that you're going to turn to those guys and say, "Help us! Help us up here! Like we need help now. We need help. If you can help us up here, we'll play every day, because we're falling out of the race. You know, right now everybody's kind of leveling around 500 in the AL East. You know, the Yankees are getting hot, Red Sox are starting to cool down, the Rays are back to 500 again. Um, so you're still in it. But I tell you, when it starts to when it starts to really affect the big league club, that's when you want to bring those guys and see if they can help you." And if they can't, they can't. But at some point, man, uh, if it goes like this, I think you're going to see them sooner than later. I, I really what, believe what that. What
0: concerns me is that you know the batting average is, what, 217 for the team. This is going into Thursday night.
1: Right. They're number
0: one in strikeouts by a mile, 20-some mm-hmm. strikeouts ahead of the next team. But they're yeah. 20th in home runs. I mean, it's one thing if you were top <laughs> 10 in the ball home runs and yeah. striking out a lot, but you're, yeah. you're not even hitting the ball out of the park that much. And you're hitting 217. How are you going to manufacture runs?
1: Well, I mean they're on base and,
0: percentage below three hundred yeah it's what two ninety eights and they on base percentage
1: yeah, yeah, you're right, you know where you're
0: they're right. they're what twenty sixth in on base
1: percentage yeah i mean so they they make up they make up for their strikeouts with their lack of hitting home runs i mean it doesn't make any sense it's it's just you know like I said, nobody is going well, i mean correct me if I'm wrong, but the catcher, the guy who we who we don't expect to do anything isn't he still I mean who's their home run leader right now in this ball club it's it's I think Zanino has six doesn't he Uh, six or seven
0: yeah Lau's got six as well I think let me me pull it up and this is going Lau Lau
1: Lau. I would expect to be near the top he hasn't hit very well he's I think he's at or around 200 or below but he's hit some home runs but I think I think Zanino might have the the home run lead uh, Austin Meadows
0: has seven Zanino has seven Brendan Lau's got six
1: Okay, so he's tied with Austin Meadows, and, and, and all you're looking for from Zanino, who, who to my book is having a career year for them, what they, exactly what they want, they get 20 home runs out of this guy who, who's catching three out of four days? or you uh, Seven know, home runs days.
0: and 76 at-bats. That's, that's, one in every 11 at-bats. That's,
1: that's phenomenal, right? Now they're putting him in positions against left-handers and stuff that he, he can hit. Well, right now he's but, playing
0: a lot with, with he's, Mahea he's Hurt. Mahea's he's playing, Hurt, yeah. He's playing against, you know, it doesn't matter which you know pitchers. He's just playing a lot right now. Kevin Smith isn't really getting into many games,
1: right? So now Zanino's great. So you know, but that's not. I mean, you can't. He can't carry you. You need Lau. You need Meadows. You know, those are the two. Those two guys right there. Orozarena striking striking out too much. He's still a rookie. I mean, let's face Mm -hmm. it. What he did in the postseason was was the outlier. I mean, that's crazy what he did. Um, and it's never been done before. In fact. For a whole 162-game season, he's still a rookie. He's still mm-hmm. still feeling his way through the big leagues. And, and they're making adjustments to him right now. Exactly, and he's got to make adjustments back. So, But Meadows, Meadows has been there. Meadows hit 33 home runs a couple of years ago. Lau, you know, he he was that guy. He was an all-star. I mean, those guys have to perform. You know, Adamas has to, has to hit better. Some, he's got to give him something on offense. You know, Kiermaier being hurt all the time, he's got to get back in the lineup and give him something on offense. I mean, they got guys. I mean, you know, they should be able to do it again, but pitching is so dominant this year. And I'm telling you, the baseball is dead. They have deadened that ball to their own detriment, man. You're going to see pitching numbers like you haven't seen since they lowered the mound after Bob Gibson, you know, wiped them out back in 67 or whatever it was, 68. So. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of that, Brian asks With the Rays being one of the teams that are leaders in analytics, spin rate, and velocity drive with the hitters do you th- or you know their velocity for uh, uh how fast they hit the ball do you think they've assembled a team that offensively is being thwartened by the dead end of the baseball and could take some time to adjust or is it just normal early season struggles
1: i think the baseball is a factor i look around the league man and i, I you know here's the thing though like the baseball is still the same size and i'm seeing i'm seeing a ton of strikeouts I guess we've had the strikeouts for a while now. That's been the biggest change is nobody nobody cares, you know, if they strike out anymore. It's strikeout or home run. But what you're not seeing is the home run. So, that, like you mentioned it, like they're striking out a lot, but they're also not hitting home runs. I think that's the baseball. You know, I do. Like there are some guys that get hit it out of any park, right? Stanton, Judge, you know, they'll get theirs, right? Because they hit 500-foot blasts. So now maybe they go, you know, 420. But these other guys – I've seen a ton of balls die at the warning track this year. I mean, Rosarena—they'd still be playing the Yankees game from the other night. He hit one that I swear to you. And when you look at it, I guess it was down on the bat a little bit. But when he hit it, I thought it's gone, and it was off the top of the wall for a double. Mm -hmm. If that ball—if that ball's juiced the way it's been in previous years—I promise you, it's a home run. Whether he's got it all or not, it's a home run. And 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 that's what I mean. Like they. I I've, I've just I I know what I'm seeing. Just like I knew and and I knew what I was seeing when the balls were flying out and guys were, you know, guys were hitting 50 home runs and uh, you know from the second base position. Like I know what I'm seeing. And they'll they'll tell you they deadened the baseball. So they're get they they're getting exactly what they asked for. And it's hurting the Rays. It is. It's hurting them. And you know, they're going to have to find ways to to change the approach or put more balls in play or put more pressure on the defense or run more or whatever they can do. Because I don't think they're going to bash their way out of this. I don't know. I could be wrong. But, uh, you know, we're we're almost to Memorial Day, right? Isn't that the big Isn't – don't they tell you, like, the season starts at Memorial Day? Like, that'll tell you who you are at that point?
0: Mm-hmm. That's what they say. So, yeah, so we're almost there. Yeah, we're getting there. All
1: right, John asked, It's been more than a year since
0: the Rays announced their intent to split their seasons between Tampa Bay and Montreal. If they ever gave more of an overview on how they would handle the playoffs, I might have missed it, so I thought I would ask.
1: I've not seen it, Um, and and they're a long way from that. I think that's
0: so far down the road.
1: Yeah, it's not even worth discussing. It would just tick people off anyway because, you know, chances are they'd be playing more games in Toronto. Well, the other part is it's it's a negotiating uh, chip for
0: stadiums too.
1: Of course it is. So they don't
0: want to announce a plan yet because it depends on what am I getting from Montreal, what am I getting from Tampa
1: Bay. That's right. So, you know, don't
0: give up something that you're going
1: to use as a negotiating chip. No, totally agree. And that's why you haven't heard anything about it. You'll hear more about this this two-city plan as we get, you know, closer and closer to the date where their lease is going to expire. I'm not confident. You saw what Major League Baseball is is saying about the A's and their stadium situation. They're telling them to start John, looking. Yeah, John Romano had a column in the Tampa Bay Times. Check it out on com. wrote all about it said, you know what, Rays are next. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to go through the same process. It's not a good one. It's not something, not a place you want to be. And that's kind of where they are. Just so, when you yeah. think
0: stadium negotiations can't get uglier, they do. They do. And then they get even uglier after that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. Brian asked, what is the likelihood that all injured Lightning players are available for the series against Florida? 10%,
1: 50%, 100%? It's not 100 I I don't know if it's 50 I I think – there's going to be a few that don't make it back. I think the big ones will make it back. I think you'll see Hedman. I think you're going to see, as we do this podcast, uh, just hours before their skate on Thursday, um, I think you're going to see Kucherov. I think you're going to see Stamkos. I think Stamkos
0: um, is still a question mark. as far. You don't as, think he
1: makes it back for I,
0: Sunday? I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't really? know. I, I Interesting. Th- and, and the reason is we don't know what the injury is. We don't know... Kucherov, look, it's a pretty standard surgery he had. There's a pretty standard way back. You see the way he's skating. I think he'll be back fine. Stamkos, I think he'll be back. I just, I, I wouldn't be 100% saying I think he's back. Um, I, I think he will be. Uh, we know Barclay Goodrow's out. He's out indefinitely at this point. Um, McDonough, Hedman, I think they were that, set is, for precautions.
1: Is, is, is Goodrow a concussion?
0: We don't know. It's okay. an upper body injury. Could be a concussion. He got in a fight that last game. Maybe, could he broke his hand? I got you. We don't know. Um, it is an upper body injury, so that could be a concussion as well.
1: Wait, is upper body hand?
0: It's part of your upper body. Your arms attached to your shoulder. I guess
1: it's attached, but my hand hangs below my waist. I don't know how yeah. how your hand. Where's your hand at? Yeah. I guess it's upper. body. Well, it depends. Yeah. You know, my I, I holding the hockey does, stick. Am I you know it does fighting? Come from am I? <laughs> This is a dumb question. It does come from my arm, my shoulder, so yeah, that's upper body. I guess yeah. you're right. So, um, but yeah, we
0: know he's out. I think McDonough and Hedman. I think they were. Pro- they probably could have both played this past mm-hmm. weekend if they needed to. But it's before the playoffs. If you've got something, rest them. Uh, I think Andre Palat's the same way. Although he did take a puck, uh, what off his leg, and in Saturday's game, we so didn't play Monday. Yeah, I, I, I'm. You know, they when they announced day to day. And you get to playoff time, you're They're probably
1: playing. back. You're going to play, yeah. Yeah. If you got any any chance of getting on the ice at all, you're going to play. So, yeah. so we wouldn't say it's fifty percent. We wouldn't say it's a hundred percent, and we wouldn't say it's ten percent. Somewhere between ten and yeah, 70 I, I mean, I, I me. look. I
0: don't think Goodrow's back unless you know. I mean, like I said, we don't. If it was a concussion, po- possibly he is back, but we don't know. With th- there was nothing in the game. Um. What a Saturday night that you went? You know. Oh, he took something to the head or got hit in the head where you thought it could be that.
1: Mm.
0: But when you just rule somebody's out indefinitely, it's always a That's possibility because you, there is no timeline for concussions. Some can be a week, some can be three weeks or a month. I mean, you just don't know on those injuries. So right. Um. You know. But you're also at the playoff time where you don't know the The season's going to go on for two more months. So saying indefinitely, kind of. You know. You just. Who knows? Who, I mean, the, the hockey at this time of year, they don't tell you anything. I mean, yeah. you're you're lucky they tell you upper or lower body. Um, yep. So show up and, and watch the game. You play yeah. with who you got. But my guess is everyone else is probably back, including Stamkos. But th- I think there's a a slight chance that you know maybe he's not ready for game one. With but-
1: Stamkos, it's going to be more about how long does he play. I mean, he came back last year for the postseason. He gave us you know gave him a hell of a two minutes and fifty seconds or whatever yeah. it was. But um that was it he was done so I don't think it's that doesn't seem to be that bad because he played a lot of games this year but who knows
0: all right and then uh Paul had the final question what is your prediction for the lightning panther series
1: I got the lightning in seven they're gonna have to go to Miami that home ice is gonna be a factor but they'll have to win I think they're gonna need seven games to dispatch the Florida um uh, Panthers I think it's, I'll say lightning in six that's what that's a popular choice. Yep, I'll say
0: Lightning in six. Um, if Kucherov and Stamkos get off to hot starts, it might be four or five. Although I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be four. Uh, I think Florida's a good. I think they're a really good team. Um, they are good. Yeah, but I just I just think I, I think the Lightning's power play comes to life with Stamkos and Kucherov out there. I think they'll actually start shooting the puck. Um, Braden Point is a phenomenal player. He will not shoot the puck on the power play in Kucherov's spot. They play him in Kucherov's spot, and he will not shoot. And it it's made that power play so pass happy and easy to defend because when you know you don't have to defend that wing, it's really easy to defend that that power play. So point now, you know, assuming they're both back, moves into the center where he's more effective on the power play, and you've got Cooch. You know, Stamkos, Stamkos is going to shoot. Yeah. So um, one timer. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I think I th- I think it'll be lightning. I think it's going to be a hard fought series. Isn't I mean, it's going to be. It's going to what be a, a very physical series, and it's going to be close games. I don't, you're not going to see blowouts in the series.
1: So it goes two games in Sunrise, right? Is that how it starts? 2-2, two, 1-1-1 two, one, one, one is how the series so, goes. So what they need to do is they, they need to take one yep. to get home ice back on their favor, right, Yep. in and, and, and Sunrise. If you do that, then you got to actually hold serve, and uh, you got a chance to win in six. Um, that's what home ice is really about—the seventh game. So they need mm-hmm. to get off to a good start, take one of those two in in, in Sunrise, and then then make some hay. Um, how many fans? Seven thousand fans? We're talking about maybe at, at Emily.
0: I think uh, Florida's going to have nine thousand or so. So oh, I, that, I, how
1: about that? If for any Lightning fans want to go down there, there's probably tickets available. So yeah, go down there and cheer on your Lightning. Well, it should be a good week of sports. we got the playoffs uh, coming up, of course, uh, we think on Sunday. That will be announced uh, probably as soon as we finish this podcast. So look for that. The The Rays uh, have wrapped up their series against the Yankees. They need to take on New York's other team, the Mets, Pete yes. Alonzo. It will be 7.30
0: Sunday night on MSNBC or uh, no.
1: NBC Sports Network. Okay, so we have a time. Great. Fantastic. 7.30, Sunday night. That's uh, appointment viewing. That means me and you will be probably talking pretty late on Sunday night. Just want to guess We're going to be talking late a lot for the <laughs> hockey playoffs and then in the NFL season. Uh, the
0: Bucks. A lot of primetime games means a lot of late-night podcasts.
1: Uh, it means no sleep at all. <laughs> I know, five primetime, and that's before they even flex one. I saw one that they could flex at the end, but, man. Ugh. So, yeah, but uh, so get your rest and enjoy uh, the Preakness enjoy my horse hopefully he's not too uh, torn up by this whole you know medina spirit can run not be too depressed we'll see if he can win the second leg of the triple crown legally bob baffert what a story that is so thanks for listening we're here every Monday through Friday you can uh, reach us at any time on twitter at sports day tv reach me on twitter uh at nfl stroud email address rstroud at tampabay.com for steve Verstick, i am rick stroud of the tampa Bay times have a great day everybody